all right, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me in this study of James. Um, this is going to be our last message from the book of James this week. And so Pastor Mark will be picking up wherever he's picking up next Sunday. And it's been good. It's been a good, at least on for me. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the study. I told you my first message, how many times the Lord has made me do studies and different things to the book of James. I'd begin to write devotionals and do all these things, and I never got out of, like, chapter two or three every time. I would always start over and never get farther. So <clears throat> not that I haven't read it a hundred times, but it's been really good to dig in. So I appreciate that. Um, before we get started, I just want to pray for us one more time real briefly. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to uh, be gathered together in your name, Jesus, to bless one another and be blessed by your presence. I pray, Lord, as we open up your word, that you would just open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with joyful obedience. So, Lord Jesus, let your will be done, Father, and whatever you want spoken, let it be spoken this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be talking about church culture this morning. Um, how many of you think culture is important? Does anybody think culture is important? Um, not a whole lot of hands went up, but I would say that the world as a whole thinks culture is very important. And culture is important because culture really defines the standards of a people, right? So if you go to Mexico and you, you go into uh, their culture, it's going to look a lot different than it is in, you know, maybe New York City. Right? There's going to be certain colors, there's going to be certain music, there's going to be certain history and, and principles that they cling to. Culture creates value. It affects the arts. It affects dance. It, it affects speech. Um, culture is very, very important. And, you know, today, a lot of people are very concerned about the youth culture, the millennial culture, and, and, and we're always so concerned about the culture um, it's dark, it's wicked, it's all these things, and I can't particularly argue with that. There is definitely an issue with our culture in America, in the world, the values, the, the uh, examples that are being presented as a standard. And so that's really what culture does. Culture creates standards. And as people are raised in a specific culture, they absorb these standards, they absorb these principles and these beliefs, and it, and it unifies a people. So culture is very, very important. However, um, you know, I heard, I've, I've said this a couple times, it still makes me laugh. You know, somebody said, I don't know if it was in a book or where I heard it, but basically, if, if you complain about something, but you don't have a solution, all you're doing is whining. Like, you know, coming, oh, all these things are wrong and all this and this and that. But if you're not presenting a solution, you're not doing anything to help. And I think um, we sometimes as Christians can do that. I think the church as a whole has done that. We want to complain about culture. But my question would be, well, is the church doing anything to provide a substitute? Has the church been concerned with its own culture? 
I think if we were more concerned with our own culture, if we were more concerned with building an authentic Christ-centered culture that affected the people, that as people came into it and were raised up with it, they would absorb those principles more naturally. They would have standards and values, their art, their expression, their speaking, the things that they enjoy would be naturally affected by that culture, and they would reflect the culture, and the culture would reflect them, and that's called the church. The church cannot be separated from culture. So we need to be aware, and we need to build, and we need to exist inside of a church culture. James, I think, was very concerned with that. I think most of the writers of the scripture were, were concerned with that. If you take the people of God and you pair them with the culture of Christ, you have the kingdom of God on earth. And a big part of, of the kingdom's power is presenting a culture that defies every other culture. The fact that we belong to the kingdom of God but exist inside of America or the UK or Australia or wherever a Christian may live in a world that is of a completely different kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, puts us or should put us at odds with that kingdom. And um, part, of, part, of our struggle, part of our struggle as a church is Many times we don't acknowledge that. We don't acknowledge that. That instead of being a, a, a kingdom people, instead of being a people that walk in the authority of Christ, that, that exist inside of a, of a culture saturated with God's spirit and extending that culture and having a pushback for the culture of the world, we just kind of sit quietly, we kind of ignore what's around us, and we go to church, and we go home, and we go to church, and we have completely... Um, forgotten the fact that Jesus has called us to proclaim the kingdom of God. So I want you to join me this morning in James chapter 13, uh, verses, uh, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to look a little bit at some things that should define and, and really that should already be uh, the standard for our culture. Starting in verse 13, James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. I'll go ahead and just read the last two verses. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this morning, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about um, 
the foundation of setting a church culture, how that affects us, how that should affect others. And we're also going to talk about uh, a little more in depth on, on our prayer, our prayer life, and what that should look like when someone says, hey, let's pray. So first of all, James, he lists some very basic things here. Um, if you're suffering as a church, as a Christian, what should your response, uh, your immediately uh, your immediate response be to your suffering or your afflictions? It should be to pray, right? It's pretty simple. Um, if anybody's glad, what should you do? You should sing praises. You should praise the Lord, sing a hymn. If any of you, if any of you are sick, this is very interesting. What does it say to do? Call on the elders and let them anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will make one whole, I think is what it says. Um, it'll make you whole. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, the word there. It talks about, it's really a spiritual wholeness, right? And then the Lord will raise you up. And if there's any sins, you'll be forgiven. Therefore, tr- if you have any sin in your life that you're aware of, what should you do? Confess it, right? Repent, yes. Confess it to one another that you may be healed. And so if you just think very basically about that, that that right there in itself, it's producing an atmosphere in the body. We've been talking a lot about culture, actually, in the Bible school. It's been a main focus of our curriculum uh, the second half of the semester. And uh, in the curriculum, we talk about there's three things that create culture. It's modeling, having someone who's already in that culture showing you this is how we live, this is what we do, okay? Modeling, atmosphere, Atmosphere is kind of hard to, to describe, but you understand. You walk into a place, and you just get a sense of what's going on, right? And different, different places, different homes, different businesses, there's a different atmosphere. There's a, there's, a, there's a feeling and a response that happens. And then finally, expectations. So in a lot of cultures, part of that value and those principles that are absorbed and why culture is so important is because there's expectations on how you're supposed to live and respond to those things. That's why culture is so important. You know, in, 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 in our culture, um, there are these unspoken things about what it means to be a man, right? And when you're in big groups of men, there's this atmosphere of, you know, testosterone and, and uh, cigars and, you know, getting beat up or fishing or hunting or whatever the, the group you're in is. There's a certain atmosphere that comes with that. Right? There's, there's men, older men modeling to you what they think being a man means. You, you got to be tough. You can't cry. You got to do all these things. And so through this, you know, basically being preached to you, rather they're really preaching it or not, there's this modeling that's happened. And so this expectation is placed on us like, well, we need to be a man like that. We need to be a man like this. I can't cry. I got to be tough. I got to wear boots. I got to dip. Right? There's all these things that are passed down, and so this culture, it it affects people. And so what is the church presenting to counter what the world is presenting? And you know, this morning, um, our worship service this morning, the prayers, the praises, um, even the things at 9.30 we get here and we have some prayer time, even what was going on in there, it seems to me Everything has been playing into this message so incredibly well. Even um, Harold, Harold was talking about um, a woman having some troubles and, and different things and, and the things she was going through. Actually, what was, I'm trying to remember, what was the, uh, 
situation I'm thinking of. Anyways, anyways, um, you know, there's, a, there's something that we should be presenting as a church that should be imparting to the people around us and that should let them see what we're talking about. And so let me, let me give you the, the anti-example here. Um, sometimes we wonder why people don't want to come to church, right? This, that whole, like, you invite your neighbors and they come to your church and check it out, that era has, like, kind of died. People are not interested in going to church. Being, just going to church on a Sunday is not kind of a thing that, it's not part of our culture in America anymore, that that's what you do. Maybe 20, 30 years ago it was. You know, you're a good family, you wear nice clothes, you go to a nice church, and, you know, that's, that's dying. And I think part of that is, you know, we talk about the power of God, the power of God, the power of God, but does anybody in our life see that? We talk about, oh, God is, you know, he's awesome and he answers his prayer. We need to pray. We need to trust Jesus. But do they see you praying? You talk about how we can be vulnerable. Do they see you being vulnerable? Do they see you praying at work, in your car, at your lunch break? We talk about how important it is to share the gospel and everyone needs to share the gospel. Do they see you sharing the gospel? You talk about how we can trust Jesus and, oh, you just need to come to church and your life is going to be so full, full of joy. But when, you, when something doesn't go your way, do they see you trust Jesus or do they see you get sour and angry? Do they see you cuss or, or whatever it is? What are they seeing from you? Because I think a lot of the times, you know, people aren't so interested in coming to church, not because of really any basic belief system that they have, but really just because they don't believe it. They're like... And I've seen the Christians. Anybody ever heard that? I've seen the Christians. I've seen the pastors. I've seen the stuff like, and whatever that is, I don't want any part of it. And our concern as a body, as a people, should be if, if, if coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday was stripped from our life, would, would there be enough testimony would there be enough visible culture of Christ in our lives to persuade anyone to Jesus? Would they see any Jesus in us if we didn't have those regular meetings? What would it look like if every time we were going through something, we were struggling, we got angry, we got upset? Instead of venting to your, your mom or your best friend or your sister and, oh, well, they just did, they just don't understand at work. They just, uh, the, what, what, what people around you saw was you drop on your knees and begin to pray. What if when your, your boss came in and reprimanded you and walked off and your coworkers are standing nearby, you lifted your hands and glorified the Lord for a minute and then went back to work? What if we, when we came together and people began to, to share issues in their life, instead of going back and forth and, and trying to figure out who's wrong and who's right, we just said, hey, let's pray. And so that when people were coming into the church, that that's what they saw all the time, is people entrusting themselves to Jesus all the time, lifting things up to the Lord all the time, and then hearing the testimonies of my God answered all the time. You know, that's what I love about Friendship Bible. Um, it was the first thing I noticed when I came here is we do something that most, I don't, 
I don't know if I've ever been to a church, or at least I had probably never been to a church when I first came, that actually spent the time to ask the people, what do you need to pray about, and what did God do in your life this week? And man, how powerful is that? That right there, that, that creates an atmosphere of openness. That I know that when I come here, that there's, a, there's, a, there's the ability to share. And I know that there's an opportunity where I'm going to hear what God is doing in people's lives. There's an encouragement there. And so there's an atmosphere that should be built there. You know, and I, that's what I've always done just because it was modeled to me by Pastor Mark. It was modeled to me um, in this church. And now I teach a thing called T4T, and that's a big part of their system too. And it was normal to me by that time. You know, and so now in our in our group that's come up under, there's this expectation of us praying for one another as just like, that's just what you do. Why would you not? And so when I go out and I especially when I'm talking to Christians or, you know, professed Christians and I say, well, hey, you know, is there anything I can pray for you about before I go? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm like, what? You don't want God to do something for you? That's weird. <laughs> How about you just pray for me then, and then I'll go. <laughs> I, know, I know the Lord will do something for me, bro. Um, but, man, if we're, if we're struggling, first of all, church, what's your first response? Is prayer like a side note? Is it the last choice, or is it where you start? It should be where you start. But what about your response to others when they come to you? struggles how do you respond to them is it let me give you my good advice and tell you why LaShonda shouldn't ever talk to you that way or is it hey why don't we why don't we just pray about that wow someone doesn't like people named LaShonda young people how do you respond are we inviting the character and the power of God into our lives secondly is anyone cheerful? Let them sing psalms. You know, um, Ephesians 5, man. Ephesians 5, I believe it starts in verse 17. It talks about, do not be drunk with wine, but be with it, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Know what the will of God is, making melody in your heart to God. Making melody in your heart to God. Singing and praising and speaking to one another in psalms and spiritual songs. And you know, pretty much everywhere I go, if I have any real relationship with a church or a body of people, I present that scripture. And I, I ask them, have you ever considered that this is a command? Like, don't sin, bad. Sing to Jesus, good. Are we creating a culture where that's not just stuck to Sunday morning. You know, I think the Bible talks about um, what comes out of our mouth as a reality of our heart, right? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think it, it's, it should be very odd to us. It should be very odd to us if we are filled with if the joy of the Lord is our strength. If we, if we understand and experience the salvation of our Lord, that songs don't just burst out of our out of our mouth when we wake up in the morning I know for me personally um, each morning I wake up and I either immediately kind of wake up and I start praying or I get in the shower 
Sometimes there's a little delay from my bed to the shower. And in the shower, I begin to pray, and I have a very specific kind of pattern, more or less, that I pray. Or I wake up and I sing. So if you're at my house, if you spend the night, or if I have one of those lazy mornings where I'm taking a shower at like 11, and you hear me singing in the shower, just, it's okay. Just ignore me. And I'm singing to the Lord because how could I not? How could I not? My eyes are focused on Jesus. He has been good to me. I wake up and I see the house I live in and I see my family and I acknowledge that I'm blessed. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I owe. Like, how could we not overflow with this? If you're sad and and struggling, pray. God hears you. If you're happy, sing praises to the Lord because it's his joy. Right? And then he presents sickness if you're sick. Guys, being happy, sad, or sick, that's most of your life right there. Right? You're either happy, sad, or sick, and then you probably ain't so happy. And so, I mean, that's, it's pretty simple. And so what I believe James is really getting at more than anything is, you know, the reality of our lives on a day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day experience should be our hearts lifted up to God. The Bible says that you should be praying at all times without ceasing. Right? The Bible says that we should give thanks on all occasions. Paul says, hey, men, here's what I want you to do. Lift up your hands everywhere. Lift up holy hands everywhere, praying to the Lord without wrath and without doubting. And honor your Father. That's what you're called to do everywhere. And so there's this, I think there's this tendency where we just read, we kind of just gloss over this stuff as like, well, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, you know, I'll pray sometimes. It's kind of church talk, and we don't take time to let it sink in that, hey, no, this is a command, and I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. And part of the reason why, why we do gloss over that, why we're not experiencing that in our life, because it wasn't modeled to us. Most of us did not come up in a church where it was normal to walk through the halls or walk through an aisle of Walmart and sing praises to Jesus. Most of us did not come up in a church where people were showing up early just to worship and to pray out of a joy, not out of an obligation. Most of us did not come up in a place where if someone was sick, they were calling on people, please come to me, please anoint me, please pray for me because they had faith that God might actually heal them. There was not a culture, there was not an atmosphere, there was not a modeling, there was not an expectation presented to us in most cases, I think. Am I right? Where that was the norm. Well, thank God that we have his word and we're not stuck to the example of men. And we are being presented today, church, with a restart on what you consider to be a normal expectation of Christian living. We are today presented with this fact that we need to create a culture that people can exist in and be absorbed into and have that culture absorb into them. Jesus was really good at this. He said, hey, you guys, stop what you're doing and come follow me. He didn't say, show up on Monday, let me give you five classes, eight tests, and like if you pass, then come follow me. He just said, no, come follow me. And as he preached and prayed, they learned how to preach and pray. As he fasted and cried out, they learned how to fast and cry out. As he laid hands on the sick and they were healed, they learned how to lay hands on the sick and have people healed. So that after a time of being with them, having an atmosphere, 
of kingdom living, having him model for them. What does it look like to walk in righteousness and having an expectation placed on this that you will be like me if you follow me? That was the, that was the known expectation. When a rabbi called you to follow them, there was this saying of walking in the dust of their feet that you wanted to be so closely tied to them that you were just kicking, they, you were eating their dirt because you wanted to be just like your teacher. That was already a set expectation. So that in Matthew 10 and Luke 10, when he sends out the 70 and gave them power to heal, to trample on scorpions and serpents, to cast out demons, you know what they did? They just did what Jesus had been doing. And it was simple because that culture, that expectation, it was just absorbed into their life. What else were they going to do? That's what they had seen. And as a church, we need to present that. We need to present that. One of the things that um, I pray for very often for myself and I present to people very often, I think it's the most important aspect of ministry, the more, most important aspect, and it's transparency. Transparency. You should be you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and if people see you at your house, you should look like you do at school. If they see you at school, you should look like you do at work. If they see you at work, you should look like you do in church, right? And I had someone come to me at one point and say, well, you know, if I, if I give away the relationship, it'll be pretty obvious what I'm talking about. So they said, well, you know, we're supposed to have this specific relationship, but, you know, I just feel like, you know, you're always Pastor Darren, and I need you to, you know, Pastor Darren over here and this Darren over here. And I'm like, what? Like, you know I'm a Christian, right? Well, yeah. Well, you know being a pastor is just like being a Christian, right? And I'm like, honestly, I see what you're saying, but I don't think your problem's with me. It, because if I was Pastor Darren over here and something else to you over here, I said, that would be the problem. That would be the problem. This is just who God has made me to be. And so if there's a problem between us because of who God made me to be, maybe there's a different issue. And so we should be, you know, spirit-filled. We should be prayerful. We should be worshipers everywhere we go. And I, I know that... Um, you know, as, as we've got all these young adults coming to, to different things, the one testimony that I've heard more than anything is, man, even people who, like, it's weird. We have these theological differences, but then they come and tell me this, and I'm like, so why are you still over there? But anyways, and they said, you know, one thing I can say is just whatever y'all are doing, man, it's real. I hear that over and over and over and over, and I say, thank you, God. Because with the way I used to think, and the people I used to hang around with, if it wasn't real, we didn't want nothing to do with it. And even now, I look at, back at that and realize how fake that was, and I'm ashamed. Because this is real. The Lord is good, and he is God of all things, and that doesn't change whether it's on a Monday or Sunday. So we need to present that. We need to model that. We need to have an atmosphere that when we're together, you know what the view and the focus is? Jesus. Jesus. And I'm thankful I got brothers and sisters that all we do is pray, praise and worship and cry out and talk about the Lord and what he's doing. And I go to other places, and it's supposed to be a, a Christian house gathering, and I sit there for hours and, like, I got to go home and just pray for a while because I was at their house for four hours and then we never said a prayer. 
You know what I mean? And I suddenly feel far from the Lord. And I think to myself, like, man, a group of Christians should not make me feel that way. And I'm not saying anything bad about those people. I'm just, it's just, it's just what it is. I want to touch on, on one aspect of prayer real quick, too. Um, prayer should be a foundational element of our life, right? It, it, prayer is the root of all ministry. Prayer is the root of the church. It connects us between us and God. Um, however, where's it at here? In verse 16, there's a half of this verse that just hits me every time I read it. And it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Of course, it points to Elijah, who prayed fervently before the Lord that it wouldn't rain for three years. And you know what happened? That was a long drought, buddy. No rain for three years. And when he prayed again, it rained. And basically what it's saying there is like, how is Elijah any different from you? He was a man called by God. He was nothing special. He wasn't some angelic being, right? But he prayed fervently. And I think that key or that that verse is a key to our spiritual life, that effective, fervent prayer. What that what that translates into basically is a um, passionate energetic prayer life. That's what that fervent, effective means. Passionate, full of energy, right? Energeo, or however you say it, is basically the word, energy. An energetic, passionate prayer life should be what we as a church are rooted on. And at the beginning of the year, actually right before the beginning of the year, with Faithful Fishers and with the young adults, uh, Josh and I just came together and we just made a commitment. We just said, you know what, we're just going to show up and we're just going to pray. And we're just going to pray and we're going to cry out to Jesus. And Jesus honors those who honors him and he will answer us. And we begin to show up at 930 at this church every Sunday by ourselves. And we begin to cry out and just pray fervently, fervently, fervently. And since then, we've seen... I don't even know how many people saved and baptized this year. Lost count like three different times. We've seen the, the ministry on Shriner go up and down. We've seen the, home, the people we're interacted with around the city. We've seen this church on Sunday grow. And God has just answered our prayers just because he's good. Just because he's good. And there's this aspect where we have to ask ourselves, does our prayer life, if we say we believe God's word, we believe that God answers, we believe he's good, we believe he's all-powerful, we believe he can heal. I would hope we all believe that. If we believe that, does our prayer life prove it? Does your prayer life prove it? And that's, I think, even what James is pointing to. If anyone is sick, it doesn't say elders, go find them. It says let them call on the elders. Is there enough faith in you to believe that God is willing to heal you. You call for them. You ask to be anointed. You believe that the Holy Spirit will touch you and heal your life. And maybe Jesus will speak to you like he did so many in the scriptures. Let it be according to your faith. Go and be healed. 
does our culture reflect and pass on what we proclaim about Jesus to be true? That's really what, I, what the focus of this message is today. And if not, today we need to make a commitment. We need to consider these aspects. Wherever you are in your life, there's a pretty simple response, and it should be Jesus. Where are those areas where we're weak? Where are those areas where we leave church, we leave our quiet time, and, and Jesus doesn't show up for a couple of hours for some reason? Is it in your prayer life? Do you lack a personal worship where you sing hymns when no one's around? Where you turn on, if you've got, you know, an iPhone or something, where you turn on a Spotify playlist that's just called worship, and you just dedicate your heart to the Lord? Are there ever times where you're in your car on a long trip and you turn off the music and just talk to Jesus? Where are those places? Do you believe that God will provide if you try? Where are those places where you're weak? And as a church, we need to commit ourselves to focus on those areas in these weeks to come. And people need to see that in our lives. As new people are coming to church, they need to receive what you, how, the way you are communicating with God. They're not going to learn it in a Bible study class. They're going to learn it when you ask them to join, join you in it. That's how Jesus taught. That's how we need to, touch, to uh, teach. That is the culture we need to create. So guys, let's pray. And let's ask the Lord just to reveal to our heart the area he wants to strengthen in this church and in our personal lives. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're the God of all peace, of all mercy, of all strength, of all power, Lord God. I thank you you say that before we speak, you know our words all together. That when we pray, Lord God, we can get to the point because before we ask, you know what we need, Jesus, you are good and you answer. Father, I pray that you would give us more faith, Lord God. You would give us more faith that if we had the faith of a mustard seed, we could speak to a mountain to be cast into the ocean and would obey. Help us believe your promises, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would create a culture Lord, a culture of joy, a culture of worship, a culture of prayer, a culture of dedication to your word, Lord, that would affect the lives of many, Lord. That discipleship would happen just as people enter into our midst, Father God, that they would see something and they would know it was real. Jesus, help us, help us. And Holy Spirit, just convict our hearts of those areas where we need to grow where we need to extend past our comfort zone. Lord, help us have a longing to know you more. Bless us all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.